But I was going into Toshi Station, Toshi Station, Toshi Station, Toshi Station. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converter. Power converter. Going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converter. Toshi Station, Toshi Station, Toshi Station, power converter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first Toshi Station radio broadcast of 2022. As always, we're here to sell power converters and talk about X-Wing. And as always, we are out of power converters, so guess we're going to talk about X-Wing. I'm Matt Newt. I'm Doug Howe. I'm Alex Smittle. And I'm Greg Smith. And before we get into everything, let's talk about our holidays. Uh, we haven't broadcast and recorded together since before Christmas, so what did everybody do? Uh, Anybody travel for the holidays? Why, yes, we did. <laughs> I did. Doug and I both went to St. Louis because that's where our families are. Indeed, True. indeed. Uh, they actually live about 15 minutes apart, so it's pretty convenient. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you guys, your families live so close together, you guys didn't actually grow up together. <laughs> Not even in the same... We, were, we grew up two hours apart. Ah, that's right, because Doug, your family's originally from Columbia, right? Yes, correct. Columbia, Missouri, not Columbia, South America. That yeah. would be. <laughs> you can't prove that. But that Bob moved to Missouri and opened up a gas station as a way to hide from the cartels. I'm not saying that's not Ooh. what didn't happen. Ooh. Please stop discussing this now. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Greg? You uh, do any travel for the holidays? I did not travel for Christmas. I stayed home. I stayed local, I should say. And then. Um, uh, for New Year's, I went down to the farm, nice. and we spent a couple of days down there, so that was nice. Yep. How was Lily's first Christmas? Lily's first Christmas was good. Archer <laughs> opened all of her presents, and he thought that was <laughs> awesome. Uh, she was actually, so, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, so Archer would have been a year old, and I don't remember, oh, Okay, never mind. Archer just had surgery for right. his two first two Christmases. Mm -hmm. So, okay, I was going to say she was like bubbly and like happy and like participating almost. And I was mm -hmm. like, I don't remember Archer doing that. Well, there's a reason for that. <laughs> uh, but no, she loved it. She got to rip on some, some paper and uh, yeah, so that was nice. Not too bad, not too bad. I myself stayed home. Uh... Normally, I do the same thing I do for Thanksgiving that's opened my home up to folks, but everybody was actually, like, traveling and out of the area with family this time. So, uh, I had myself a nice, quiet Christmas. I think I left home maybe two or three times to make, like, a grocery run and put gas in the car, and it was amazing. Oh, gosh, we had a whole week off work. I got so used to just not having to do anything and then i was not a cog in the machine for 10 days and it was amazing oh <laughs> i went back today and i felt like gandalf all oh, i have no memory of this place but it yeah, all came back today to me. was the mondayest of all mondays it absolutely was oh god so thankfully we get to leave work behind and come do this our second job job feels like it feels like you're giving us a lot of credit we don't deserve that, that is true uh, but anything else happened with us over these last uh, two weeks since we last recorded? We did have, uh, uh, for our viewers, we put up the link to Alex and I playing our semi-quarterfinal? Quarterfinal. Quarterfinal, thank you. Uh, <laughs> actually, the quarterfinal should be at the top four, because it's a quarter. No, but it's a quarter of the final, so it's the top eight. Yeah, language is weird. But we had a, uh, a nice... Fun, friendly match uh, in our local league. Uh, I will be progressing on to the top four, the semifinal match, uh, whenever I get around to actually showing up to fight Bill. And then today, we all got our assignments for the first round of the Jank Tank Open. Uh, uh, we forgot Doug turned 31 and is very oh. old now since our last episode. That never happened. Yes. Um, yes. I, I feel 30. You are not still Old boy. Did we record I on the 20th? Turned 30 for the first time on the 28th. That would have been the second time. Because no, you're 31. COVID year didn't count. That's, oh. that's not how old works. He's already yelling at clouds because he's an old man. Doug's <laughs> been yelling at clouds for a while. <laughs> that's fair. So I'm Benjamin Buttoning it. I'm aging backwards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, we did all get our Jank Tank open. Uh, Matchups today. Already winning. 
yeah. all of you. Uh, because of the unusual number of people and the fact that it's a single elimination and they need to break it down, at least after the first round, to a power of two, there were 150-something buys in the first round. Hashtag winning. <laughs> uh, initially, I had one as well, but then they had to do a repair. So we've all got some uh, interesting matchups to look forward to. Jank Tank, and I'm already doing better than I did last time. <laughs> Very much so. Uh you know, the thing is, this is a tournament where MOV doesn't matter, so getting a buy is legitimately as good as a win. So, oh, 100%. I mean, a buy is always legitimately as good as a win. Like, I, uh, doesn't usually matter. Like, it's very corner cases. But I got a buy last year for the first round. Um, and so, because I was, like, so nervous about, like, playing on Vassal and stuff. I was so... And then I saw that I got a buy, and I was like, oh, thank God I get to put this off another week. <laughs> and then I saw that... Uh, so I saw that... Alex was the only one with a buy, and I was like, okay. So the odds are pretty good that I'll get a buy because 50%. It was like, you know, it was like, what, 300 and something out of... How many mm -hmm. people are signed up for this thing? Oh, wait, 370-something, I think, are actually playing. Oh, I thought that's how many buys there were. No. no. There were 100-something oh. buys, because they did make it a, essentially a 456 bracket. Oh, there okay, okay, okay. 389 that signed up in TTO, but I don't know how many of those got dropped because they didn't have lists. Oh. Well, I was like, okay, well, I'm, I think, I was like, I think I'm mathematically going to get a buy. So I was just kind of like scrolling and I was like, oh no, I have to earn my first game. Yeah, the three of us, Doug and Greg and I, all drew five ship lists that we have to fly into. And they're almost all like real lists. This is, well, no, uh, Greg, your opponent, uh, Luke Sunol, who we're not sure, uh, the name sounds so familiar, I should know that guy, but uh, he's got one of the uh, Rebel Sabine Thai, uh, mm -hmm. uh, generic A-Wing, a generic Y-Wing, Hobby, and Fen in the Sheathapede. That's a, uh, oh, I take it back, that is a, he's a 53-point uh, Y-Wing, so that's going to be very interesting to see there. Yeah. Uh I'm... I drew uh, my friend Kyle Mydell out of the Pacific Northwest, who is flying a rebel list that includes Zeb in the attack shuttle, a fat K2SO in the U-Wing, Gavin Darklighter, who I passed on including in my list, and two generic Z95s. That's actually like a... I would not be surprised to see someone show up with that list on like a casual game store night. So I'm going to have my work cut out for me. Again, also, Kyle, a very good player. And Doug, you drew a crazy Vulcan himself. So, And, oh boy, you actually... Yeah, which, uh... By the time we're... By the time this is out, we'll have already played, because we're playing the GSP Wednesday night stream. Mm -hmm. um, so go back in time and watch Doug Wednesday, January yeah. 5th. <laughs> Hi, well, people that watched me. Yeah, uh, GSP subscribers can always likely, go back and watch me. I don't. How do you feel about your win, Doug? Uh, I feel like I lost. Because <laughs> I have a bad list. Sure seems this is, yeah, this we, is we a did pretty this. reasonable... Like, I could see his list as a weird scum jank list in an actual tournament. So Right, <laughs> he's got a 52-point uh, Cavill with Ion Cannon Turret, Proton Rockets. That is rockets. a unique Cavill. Your Cavill should cost <laughs> at least 62 points. Well, too, because he's got no Han Gunner anymore. So. Boo. Yeah. Uh, R5T... hate fun. R5TK, in case he really needs to ionize someone on his own team. Uh, then he's got Zuvio with 45-point Zuvio with optics, gamut key, concussion bombs, and delayed fuses. I like having delayed fuses with concussion bombs out there, being that you're obligated to keep dropping them. That's actually uh, somewhat useful. Then Sabine in the Shadowcaster with squad leader Zuckus and the title. And then a Black Sun Soldier Z95 with Prockets and Hull Upgrade. That that would be rough in a normal tournament. That's actually a good list, especially oh, in Jank Tank. I don't know if I'd go that far, but it's a, it's a good Jank Tank <laughs> list. It's a good Jank Tank list, but especially going up against Doug's absolute dumpster fire of the list that the RNG gave you. Oh. Also, well, it, I, I looked it up on TTO. There are 389 people playing, and there were 152 buys, so 39% of the field. Yeah. Which, if you consider the fact that you started with a buy and then lost it in the repair, means we're yeah. pretty close to average as a group. Yeah. yeah. Not too bad so at all. Like one and a half buys out of four and a half. Yeah. So, 
Uh, by our next episode, we will all at least be done with our games. Uh, maybe Smittle with his opponent slow plays him. But the uh, I'm unstoppable. I've already won, baby. <laughs> I feel like this uh, is where you got a world's invite. It's <laughs> to how I got a world's invite. Which, to be honest, they had to send out that email. Um, side events and uh, at um, system opens were not an option. <laughs> so I put system open and then explained what happened. So I have no idea if they're going to honor my world's ticket or not. Uh, I hope they do. Because quite a few of us earned them in a very no- noble way. At that I mean, system. Didn't you go entirely skill based? Didn't you go buy, win, no show, no show concession? No. The buy was because I was playing the cut. So that was right. earned. So you, yeah, you, um, you earned that buy. Then it was no show. Then it was win. And then it was no show. And then it was concession. <laughs> <laughs> you said no, like it was entirely wrong. It was entirely <laughs> wrong. You order got wrong. the order wrong. One round four. All right. He earned round four. Yeah. yeah. If I didn't stay until round four, I put it in. And I played a game against another opponent who did, who's a, another guy's opponent no showed. And he literally beat me in four turns. So <laughs> there you go. That's... But it didn't count. Uh, not too bad at all. Well, with all that coming up, we've also got some news that has dropped. More previews have come out uh, for the stuff that's going to drop in February. We are going to cover that when we actually have points at the end of this month, so we'll have more of a grasp on how good those cards are. So stay tuned once that uh, points document drops, which will also hopefully be the same time the new rules are officially codified. Uh, We will be covering that. Today, however, we are going to kind of... if I can yeah. shout out a new thing. Crossroads tickets went on sale today. Yes, uh, they did. So buy them. Or yeah. don't, but you should, because it's an amazing tournament. Absolutely. It's qu- quite possibly 20, my favorite uh, X-Wing event to go to. $25 with processing fees and everything. It comes out to 28 if you order online, which is the best way to do they, it. They, yeah, say, they, they say, please do not show up the day of and they, try and get a spot. They, it's a huge store, but they do have a capacity, especially in COVID times. Like, so yeah. definitely buy in advance. Um, but man, if I could tell you, if you ask me what is the one X-Wing tournament you should go to, there's a decent chance I'd say Crossroads. Yeah. I am going to this event solely based on your video. That's awesome. uh, it's it's amazing. Fair, if... I'd probably pick Adepticon. I say Adepticon is, is the only is the only real competition. Well, Adepticon. So I was I was going to try to like say that I chose this because of you, but Adepticon has like two of the girls' birthdays. Like it's right in the middle. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it marches so hard for me to get away unless I got like super points in the film. And one thing, like Crossroads is a smaller. Like monetary commitment than an Epicon as well, which is, I think, a point in its right. favor. At least for me, yeah. a poor. No, I was <laughs> just being a little bit facetious. A poor. I was being a little bit facetious, but every time you guys talk about it, it's a great know, it's, tournament. It's, and like I say, we've been four times now. Yeah. Uh, you guys you have each won. Yeah, the two of you have won 50% of the crossroads. The other half, only been three. Yeah, so we've been to three. Because um, then Nathan and Zach Matthews have won the other two. So <laughs> it's kind of fun. Milwaukee and Kansas City. More specifically, Milwaukee in our apartment. Have one of the crossroads. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, not the crossroads, it's like the crate slash Tashi station, you know, invitational. I mean, it's their tournament. The roads crossed. They can't control who the roads bring. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Well, the four of us will be there and we hope to see a lot of our listeners and friends there. It'll be it'll be nice. It'll be the first time most of us have seen non local players uh, in years. Be, so it'll be literally pretty much flat on two years for us because February twenty twenty was Dallas. Yep. Well, actually, not the first time for a lot of us, because, uh, Doug, you'll be going to the Las Vegas Open this month, aren't you? I also went to Arkansas in October, September, something like that. True. But yes, I'm going to LVO. Yeah. <laughs> it was a sweet segue, and Doug it's like, ruined yeah. it. <laughs> it's like super flex. Wow. Yeah, hey, just, I'm just saying, I've seen other people. <laughs> you guys are nerds. I'm a socializer. That's not true. Don't let him lie to you. (laughs) The most introverted out of all of us has seen the most people. How wrong is that? Uh, Well, with the next wave set to drop uh, February 25th, I believe it is. I thought we were going to go into an LVO segue there. (laughs) It was such a sweet segue to talking about LVO. Everybody, more people that are going will talk about LVO. We're going to get into our actual point here. (laughs) I guess. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. No more cats. Yeah, well, that's okay. Right now, uh, it is kind of a weird spot for X-Wing. We're in that stage where everybody's waiting on new points. We're waiting on the new rules to be official. Uh, 
the internet is having a lot of very reasoned discussions about these new rules changes, uh, about whether some of these preview cards are OP, and a lot of people just don't want to put ships on the table yet without a codified rules format, and that's understandable. LVO itself is going to use a weird, hybrid, Wild West, exists only in the mind of D-Yun rules format, so uh, that sounds exciting. Side note about that rules format, if we do not have an official rules format by Crossroads, Crossroads will use the LVO rules. Yes, and uh, we, sh- we absolutely should. Uh, they, they, that's what they've been saying. But in the event it doesn't happen, that's what they're going to use. Uh, I, have a, I have a quick question. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, we've said it many times, I was not present for the uh, 2.0 release, but you guys were, so you guys were playing in between 1.0 and 2.0. Does yes. this feel like that? Does this feel like a weird lull? Not, not the same. I would say less so. Like I didn't play between no, we 1.0 didn't, and 2.0. I didn't play really, like like mm. Doug and I, we proxied 2.0 a couple of times. But yeah. that was all. But yeah, you guys took did. like uh, the summer yeah. hiatus from well, 1.0 was terrible. And they were still yeah. having uh, store championships for uh, for buys. So. I absolutely threw myself into Iron Manning every single store champ I could get to in the dying days of 1.0 when Saw's Renegades got released and I made the proto version of 4X2Z, which was the uh, four Cavern Angel Zealots with Crackshot and AP5 with Inspiring Recruit, and that all fit and was insanely good at jousting. And then by the time people realized this is a really good list, then 1.0 was gone. So, uh, yeah, I played the hell out of that time frame. But you're exactly right, Greg. Uh, A lot of people had just checked out. So, as I tend to say, I do the best at X-Wing when everybody else is not playing. (laughs) Yeah, I'm saying I've been really happy to hear all these people say I'm never playing X-Wing again with these new rules. I'm like, great, this means I'm going to be amazing. So, <laughs> I'm moving up. Mindset, Matt. You should never root for people to quit a game. That's true. I'm a horrible, horrible person, but statistically, it's wonderful for me. Uh, we're going to get new players who won't hopefully be as cranky. And uh, oh, they'll I, be they'll be just as cranky. It oh, like, it'll take time though. Because humans are garbage. They, that was new. New players come out of the package unsalted. Look how long it's taken. Can I Greg present to you get a Brian study. Davis. <laughs> Brian was born at sixty years old, and uh, our friend Brian, who is uh, notable, he will be at Crossroads with us. In fact, he, he will. will. He's he famous will. to mm. us for throwing his back out at a Crossroads. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he'll be there. Hopefully, I, that'll be great to see him. Yeah, many of you will recognize our smiling faces. You will recognize Brian by the fact that he is the tallest. Doesn't matter how many he people are there. Is a large human. Yes, uh, human is a stretch. It's a good, like, if he was, like, he would be half giant, I feel like. Brian counts as geography. He is an obstacle. Brian, if you remember the FFG Center, the doors, Brian repeatedly hit his head on the top door jam of those doors. Mm -hmm. I'm a large person, and Brian is considerably taller than me. And, like, it's crazy for me to see, because usually I'm just, like, the big dude, whatever. He's... Yeah, he could like bear hug me to death, he and he's like a national taekwondo champion fighter person. Yeah, he he's got some background there, which is really why I want to see him get paired up against an individual who shall not be named, but is six foot three and built like a truck and can't help intimidating people. I want to see him and Brian match up in a game at some point. Brian uh, wishes he was only six foot three. I know. <laughs> could you imagine taking a kick from Brian? There is literally. Eight feet of human being behind that kick, <laughs> dude. There's so much human, and like, if he was just like to go like hit you with a kick, like I don't know what the kick's name is, but any of them would hurt. Indeed, uh, indeed. Well, with that digression, uh, yeah, you mentioned the uh, the break in between one and two point oh, where we're, you know there was a lot of theory crafting at that time, and there's a lot of theory crafting about the new state of X Wing two point five. Frankly, there's a lot we're not going to know until we can put these new scenarios into practice. Uh, we're not going to know what the new points are. It might radically change for some ships. And ships that have been I would great... I to say it should radically change for some ships. Indeed. Uh, ships that have been great in like classic dogfighting might not be good in an area control scenario, and vice versa. Some ships that have been garbage might suddenly shine in certain scenarios. So 
we here at Tasha Station Radio, like most of you... Also, I feel like we should probably talk about this in context of ships we know aren't going to be an extended, because that's all that's going to matter. (laughs) Exactly. So what we're uh, here talking about is most of you guys out there, like us, have been thinking about what these changes are going to mean for your preferred archetypes. Those of you, like me, who kind of tend towards a certain style of play are wondering how much that's going to change with the the new, just some rules changes even. Uh, a few caveats. We are not going to discuss the theory theoretical what might uh, scenarios affect here. We are just looking at things in the course of uh, classic dogfight. And the list we feel comfortable playing, we're going to go through our thoughts about how uh, the changes to player order, obstacles, bumping and range zero shots, regen rules, tractor changes, things like that, how that's going to affect our preferred archetypes, just from what we know. Uh, so I'll start us off with an example, uh, mentioning that I tend to be probably the one of us that trends most into a specific archetype of playing. I'm a lot less flexible than the three of you when it comes to that. I like jousting lists. I like taking a lot of red dice, pointing at enemy ships, throwing haymakers. I love to just line up and shoot. So to this end, I usually fly four to six ship lists, uh, which are going to have lower initiatives usually, and I work to set up crossfires, kill boxes, trying to bait my opponent into situations where I can get a lot of guns on target and maybe throw some blocks to give them suboptimal positioning. A lot of these upcoming changes are going to affect how I approach that play style and jousting in general. For example, uh, player order, road, the random order after dials, I might not be able to count against always moving first for blocks. That's going to have to change for me. In games that I've played with jousting lists using road, I have not been able to guarantee I'm going to get the block here. If in the new road, if you are the blocker, you are always going to be in a superior position to the block E, even if you're going to be able to shoot each other, uh, because you will have that mod for defense and they won't. So I think that the ability to know that you're moving first is great in the old way of doing things, but that's gone if you're looking at uh, you know matching up identical initiatives. So what that means for me, I may bring more initiative one ships just to give myself more of a chance of throwing that block. Or I may lean heavy into Gargarim if I'm seriously looking at blocking uh, that initiative you zero. Lean heavily into Gargarim. I shouldn't, but you know me. I'm probably gonna. Uh, I'm probably gonna. <laughs> changes to obstacles. I don't think this affects me so much. The thing is, with most of my jousting lists, I brought gas clouds because... They were the least consequence. They had no consequences. Yeah, no, no consequences. They offered the best, you know, hey, with my often smaller ships like Headhunters, giving me an extra defense die, that auto-converts is really good. So now that the obstacles have changed to where gas clouds are no longer the, the safety breaks, uh, the potential to be ion is often really bad for a jousting list. So I'm going to have to think more strategically when it comes to obstacles. Uh, I still think gas clouds are the right choice because most of the time I want to take the focus action anyway, uh, unless I want to barrel roll for a block, in which case uh, going over a gas cloud, I can still do that. No, I can't because you'll be ion if you roll that. So yeah, uh, I, mean, I, I don't know. I think a lot of it depends on, depends your, on list. your list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So there's a lot of things I might be uh, having to change up there. I might be looking at asteroids and mining guild ties. Who knows? The thing about asteroids is they also get the smallest. Okay. Yeah, that's the so thing. They take uh, up, you can get the smallest obstacles of asteroids. So you can take out, even if they all have bad consequences, which they all have significantly worse consequences than they did before. Like, you can minimize the, the impact just by bringing the tiny. Right, by bringing those that cover up the smallest surface area. Uh, the changes I also to... think one thing to consider is that debris are actually the most similar to what we now know as obstacles, or as rocks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, bringing those because it's fine to eat over them to maybe take a damage can be really strong for a high ship count list because the 50-50 chance of damage isn't very meaningful on them, where it can be for low ship counts and stuff like yep. that. Mm-hmm. And I think that also for high ship count lists, you're going to want small obstacles because you now that again land, it depends. Well, like it, I think you, it's you might want to clutter the board as much as possible, like because you so you can force people into the engage you want. Like it yeah. really depends on your playstyle and your list more mm-hmm. than any broad. And again, but yeah, with my my theory coming to this with wanting to shoot more. 
the big thing now is landing on any obstacles, uh, not just asteroids, prevents you from shooting. So uh, that's the thing. I want to have as many red dice rolling as possible. I don't want to lose a chance to shoot. Indeed, so, but you could you could bring big rocks with the intention of not landing on them, obviously. But you oh, when's that, that ever worked for me? You can use that to funnel your opponents into subpar engages because they also can't afford to land on a rock anymore. Yeah, like if if you're both playing casting with spears as a higher ship count, you bring large rocks. They're forced to either engage your whole list or like run away from you in more circumstances because they just don't have room to change their engagement. Very good way of looking at it. Uh, and then when it comes into the the bumping, which with high ship count lists is likely to happen, that's a major change, positive and negative. Because if I wind up causing a chain of bumps, uh, if you watch Alex and I's game, you see where I had all his ships in a bumped conga line at one point. Uh, that will be, my blocker is going to take one more shot, most likely, than he would have previously. But my opponent might suffer a lot more from the bumps because you bump the enemy ship, you just lose your action. You bump a friendly ship, you might take some damage. And that's... that bump in this case means the ship that caused you to not finish your maneuver. Correct. Not yeah, so... the ship you end up touching. Right. Uh, if it's one of those where because you couldn't barrel roll out of the way and the last ships in the chain are blocked by their own ships, that's obviously... Or the... If I the chain rolled back far enough that your last ship's maneuver never would have reached the enemy ship. Yeah. Like, that's so that, that's one of those things where as a blocker, that's what I want to see. It does mean that, yeah, the ship that I initially blocked is going to get a shot at me. But if I'm the blocker, that can actually probably be fine for me. If I have the only mods there, uh, it's going to give or take, you know, there. And I think it's going to take a lot of also getting used to specifically because of the road change. If I, and having to gamble on going first to set up that block, and I don't get the roll going the way I want, that could be absolutely terrible, as I've seen happen in practice games. So it's gonna it's gonna take me a couple times of trying that on the table before I think I really come up with an altered strategy or the right strategy for this as well. And then the thing I like the most is the change to regen and points. Uh, they did say in a previous stream that if you get a ship below half points and they regenerate to above half, you still keep those points. And that is great for me because all through 2021, my nemesis was Delta 7B Jedi with regen that I would throw just a box of bullets into and they would take a turn to bail out regen above half and I'd lose those points. It made me so angry every time that happened because it felt like I had wasted so much effort to do nothing. Now, at least knowing that I keep those points, it's going to take just as long to kill that ship, but knowing that I keep those points lessens that blow a lot. I mean, it kind of, it's, I'd say you're underselling that change, to be honest. Like, this is huge. A huge part of regening aces was point fortressing, and they're, right. they're literally worse at it now. Like, yeah. Regen yeah. is no longer auto-include on Delta B Jedi. Which kind of yeah. makes things scary, because now you wonder what will be you know used on them that we haven't seen yet. Usually, probably points in different ships. So, I like that too, Matt, because that was a big. Uh, I didn't like that, uh, but I also flew something completely opposite of that list, and I've never liked uh, that type of play. Whatever, that's a personal. As a person but, who flew a ton of regen delta bees, this change is amazing. Okay, like, I was going to say, is it good for the game, or am I just being? Biased? It's good for the game. It's great. Okay, Re- yeah. so it's anything great. that hampers regen is good for the game. Okay, that's what I was getting at, but I was just like, because I knew it was a uh, subjective? I can never remember subjective and objective. Yeah, yeah subjective, subjective is, is opinion-based. So okay, okay. Objective is factual. Um, Matt, if you're done, I have... Yeah, what, uh, what, what, you know, Greg, what do you think of as your chosen archetype, uh, first of all? Uh, I was trying to think, and sometimes when I think, this is going to sound really stupid, when I think too hard, I just, like, blank out. Um... I think that my chosen archetype is not necessarily swarms, but generics. So mm-hmm. I could do probably between four and seven ships. Uh, and they're probably usually generics with like maybe one named one. So I don't know what you really call that. But like, so I always think about the fun list that I play. Uh, so I think this is kind of what I bring to the team is like just thinking from like a different aspect. So when I play Vinny, again, I think I say Vinny at least once an episode. I contractually have, obligated. 
Yes, it's pork it's sucks. Fine. Oh, also wow. contractually obligated. I'm yeah, literally yeah. paying. Can we boot Doug? Can we can we do that? Is that is that a thing? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, whenever I play video, I try to self block. I try to go over an obstacle or land on an obstacle because I don't care because I usually took um. Well, <laughs> sensors. Yeah. I well no uh, uh clouds. Uh, but oh, if okay. I didn't if I didn't want to face aces with clouds, then I would ring debris because uh, sometimes I really didn't care if like Vinny got an action. Um, so there's times where I would just land on a debris or uh, fly through one, and I really wouldn't care all that much. Now, because of these changes, like you were talking about, Matt, is you can't shoot when you're on anything. So now I'm going to have to bring small rocks, but at the same time, I don't like small rocks because I want people to land on them or fly around them. So it like makes me think, and so I'm going to have to go back to the drawing board on that. But I think that's going to be fun. I actually look forward to... Here's a big change that's going to throw a wrench into it. In the standard format, which is black box releases only, from what we have been told so far, no Venny. No Star yeah. Fortress at all, in fact. But there's never been Vinny like in hyperspace. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've kind of dealt with like not flying him competitive, but he's not really competitive. So I've just kind of dealt with like not flying him. So I usually go to another faction. I'm not going to, I usually don't fly resistance if I can't fly Vinny. So I just go to another faction. So if I'm going to try to be competitive, I'm going to try to fly first order um, or separatist, I think. So or rebels, but I got I got kind of down on rebels when Hera came out because I thought that was like easy button, easy mode. I was like I really hated the token throwing. I don't know. I just didn't like it. So I didn't actually play a lot of. Well, I didn't play Hera. I played some A wings, but um. So I think I'm still gonna stick to the same lists that I always play, but my obstacles will obviously change and my self bumping. Will change. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a big. That was a big part of my uh, strategy was self bumping and then getting the bump. Um, I'm actually really excited for. Well, road already exists, um, <clears throat> but I really like the randomness to that, and I think that adds to the game. Um, oh. I'm excited, and I know we said we were going to talk about uh, just uh, dogfighting, but I'm excited to see what kind of archetypes I can fly in the um, scenario-based ones. So that's really what I'm excited about. I would like to say, I think tactical self-blocking will still be a thing. I just don't think it'll be abused nearly as much as it is right now. Like, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely going to be times where bumping into your own ship and the 50-50 chance of damage will guarantee you getting a block on like an ace or something. And sure. like, now that's the same as going over a rock to get the block, which is worth it most of the time. Yeah, when it's the right choice, it's the right choice. Yeah, half a damage or not. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only times it's really punishing is when you genuinely accidentally self-bump, in which case it's a little more punishing than you're already being punished for, punished for accidentally bumping. But it's like and, accidentally hitting, landing on a rock. In yeah, um, and then the... I don't know, I've lost my train of thought. But yeah, it's. I think it'll still exist. It just No, I, I think you're right. Um, and I guess I probably should have been more specific about that. There's definitely going to be those times where you're like, okay, I got to self-bump. This is my positioning. I need my positioning. Uh, but some of the ships that I fly um, could take a dip. So droids, um, there's times where you do uh, a maneuver out, and then you do your calculate, and then you do a couple of maneuvers in, like to shoot a ship, and you bump on purpose because you already have the calculate. Right, so, that's not going to be good for droids anymore. No, not good at Luckily, all. Luckily, so, droids ignore the the rock changes pretty much. Right. They do, but like, uh, I think droids I'm, are going to be in a fancy place. Yeah, right. So the, they'll be good with saying. obstacles, but yeah, I did try to block myself too. As but, a, I mean, that's as a sort of swarm player, I play swarms a decent amount. Like I am going to have to completely rethink how to fly multiple generics because I tactically self bump constantly because actually it's really abusable. And yes. I'm glad it's going to be less abusable, but I'm going to have to completely rethink how I fly a lot of my lists. So I don't, yeah. I don't really know how this is going to affect me because I yeah. haven't had a chance to explore. Yeah, something else you brought up, Greg, is uh, you know you say if I want to do well, I'll fly first order. You like flying the first order bombers, which because of their chassis ability to boost in the system phase, kind of have 
less of a problem with road decisions than other ships in real world. Yeah. Uh, you would. I mean, yes. You look at that, and the same thing with uh, if you want to run silencers with sensitive controls, yes. you have that option of realizing, oh, I was planning on going first, now I'm going second, let me take yes. that system phase boost to prevent self-bumping or whatnot, and you have an escape valve there. Um. Yes. There's so many... Oh, my brain hurt just even at that casual one that we did. Yes. Uh, <laughs> because I ran the four and Kylo, and it was there was so much thinking involved with the boost and then whatever <laughs> maneuver I was going to do. And then there was like, oh, crap. Like, what did he do? Okay, I was going to boost. What did he do? Like, I almost need to get like a token to say boost, but then I'm yeah. totally telling everybody I'm going to boost. Doug flew circles around me with the fobs in our first road game. Like, could not get it. And Doug, to his credit, is really, really comfortable flying ships that preposition. No, you don't I've say. I've been for roads since first edition. <laughs> well, for example, the, the first order bomber, you can always dial in the idea of if I'm going first, this will put me in an optimal position. If I'm going second, this can become a bailout maneuver. And that is, is an option is those ships have. This is true. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, yeah, I mean, I am very excited to, like Alex said, like, he doesn't know how to change, like, he doesn't know what he has to change because we don't know any information really. But it's like, that is actually the really exciting, it's a whole new game. <laughs> and that to me is pretty cool. Yeah, so. like, it's kind of hard to say how this is going to affect what I like to fly because it's, I'm going to have to, what's more going to affect how I fly rather than what I fly. Like, that's the one constant between all of what I fly, is it's me who's doing it. So it's going to affect me more than it affects my lists, I think. All right, well, how, how will that affect what you fly and how you fly, Alex? I don't, like I said, I don't think it'll affect what I fly at all. I think You're still going to fly Boskfen plus I mean, Boskfen is one specific list. I, fly. I mostly fly Swarms and Ace Mini Swarm. Yeah. <laughs> but those, like, I might have to adjust how I fly, because I don't know. I haven't had a chance to play mm-hmm. with all these new rules, and I, I don't like making weird predictions about stuff that will evolve over time. Mm-hmm. Like, so I don't know for sure, but I am definitely going to have to completely rethink how I fly swarms because of the bumping change. And I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, in swarms in general, do you think we're going to see people playing more methodically in formation, just trying to be super precise with formations? Or do you think we're going to see people flying more distributed swarms? Well, most of the time with swarms, there was never a real reason to fly in formation. Right, because um, you didn't fly house swarms or droids when you flew I mean, swarms. Most I did fly house swarms. Which Even is, droid swarms, you can fly them in loose formations yeah. really effectively. You, like, house swarms are literally the only thing that needs to be flown in formation. Um, that's a big thing that limited people in general. Doug and I have talked about this for years. Like, mm-hmm. I when I flew, flew the Drea Swarm right at the beginning to point out, I spread them across my entire side of the board. Proximity to the target is all that mattered. So, like, you get a lot of really interesting approach angles and okay. stuff like that. And it limits your self-bumping. So, um, so I think I, maybe oh, that will work. That's okay. probably what I'll have uh, to do. So, but... Matt, with that question, I think I know what you're getting at. So if I fly in a very specific formation, I make a maneuver. Um, I know where I'm going to land. And I know, like, what it... You, you you can create this grid in your head when you fly like yeah. that. And so, like, if you don't fly like that, then there is the potential of when you meet together back with the crew, uh, that there could be a bumping mess. And yes, there can be, but I oh, think just practice. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really what it comes down to, yeah. is practice. But like, I, know, like I think I know why you're asking that question. And yeah. I, and also, I, I think one thing to point out is if you can see the grid, your opponent can see the grid. So yeah. I, I think it's usually a trap to fly in tight formations. Like right. people do it a lot. Like rebel players are notorious for their rebel joust, like the rebel beef. They'll fly four independent ships in a block and run at people, and there's no reason to fly all four of them right next to each other, other than it's convenient and easy. Right. But, yeah. Like uh, you know, I can take break that, it opens up a brand new world of options. Yeah. I'm used to taking a brick of four B wings in my old four B Z list and flying those and knowing exactly where they would be, moving from block to pinwheel to you know Z formation. The downside of that, one little bump or one sloppily placed ship, and those, what after one turn is a minute error, 
three turns later becomes ships totally out of position, self-bumping everywhere, whereas doing like you were talking about with the Drea Swarm, Alex, spreading out your ships a distributed swarm where you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, you might wind up with not all of your ships having guns on target, but you're not going to wind up with the cluster. I, and I brought more ships anyway, so that's probably fine. Like, if you look at my six swarm, I literally flew them as a line of seven across the board. Yeah. Um, like, you can watch, like, there's plenty of video of it. Like, yeah. I've always done this. And it, it allows you to approach in a lot more flexible and adaptable way than a straight, here's my block of eight, or even two blocks of four next to each other. Like, which we, you know what I mean? There are two blocks of four that are slightly apart from each other, so they're not one formation. But, um, See, I think that will be something that people should try. I don't know if it'll stick because there aren't a lot of swarms that get played anyway. Mm. That's maybe like, swarms are minuscule in popularity. Is the pocho still a thing, or did they? I, I, it doesn't uh, anymore. It, yeah, I mean, it was never. It was a thing for like one tournament. Oh yeah, I know. I, I did it. It doesn't fit anymore anyway. I, I felt yeah. targeted because I did the two formations. That's <laughs> no, I wasn't. Someone, Chris no, Allen is no, crying. And doesn't know like, why. Lots of people do that. Like, no, I'm, I'm not calling I anyone out. It's just, it's what most people gravitate to, even when there's yes. no reason to. And I think yes. I, that, I did it with vultures too. Yeah, I, I did it with the Fen and Fen and Six Mining Guilds. I threw them in mm. two groups of three, but. Sometimes it is the right choice. Maybe it's just symmetry. I'd also like to go back real quick. And one comment Matt made about how you might not get all your shots on target. I think what you'll actually find, what happens more often, is for every ship that you don't get on target when you want it to, you'll catch enemy ships with way more shots that you want than they do. Like So, for example, things like Fangs that really want to be at at range 1. If you have a block formation, they're going to get range one of all of your ships. And if you have a spread out formation, they might get range one of one of them, but mm-hmm. four to five ships will have range two or three shots, and they're way less happy. And like that's an extreme example because fangs are so liver die at range one. But I think you'll find you'll catch people in range bands they don't like a lot more often than you'll have a single ship not shoot. Things like that. It's it's actually pretty easy to collapse arcs even if they're not in formation. Cool. And sometimes your ships will be a half a turn behind or whatever, and you might lose a ship on the opening gauge because you only had six, six instead of seven or five instead of seven. But if it puts you in a better position to win the game, that's okay. And practice is really the only way you're going to learn. Yeah, I was going to say practice, and then, yeah, just don't do that. Like, yeah, because you say, like, leave one out to dry. I think that's that's what I fell into sometimes when I would do. So I I saw your across the board uh, before, uh, Alex, and I've tried that. And then the bad thing is if your your uh, your flankers, your people on the outsides, uh, don't come in fast enough, and then people are dying while they're not participating, and then obviously that's why you practice and not make that mistake. Uh, and sometimes right. I have Ryan Krause is really good at um, when I played the six form against him in the last league. He was on me on turn two. I, he he bum rushed me and I couldn't handle it because I was mm-hmm. unprepared. Like mm-hmm. there are there are ways to take advantage of spreading swarms out and stuff. But like you said, practice literally does make perfect. And it's the only way to improve with stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we haven't heard from Doug and Doug. You're interesting. Uh, I really want to hear your perspective here because of the four of us. You don't have a really defined archetype you play. You have played a varied amount of everything. Now, stereotypically, everybody thinks of you as the supernatural Kylo player, but you know, realistically, you don't play that any more often than you play anything else. But with the specifics of that, you've become really well known as loving those prepositioned supernatural ships. With that totally being gone. Are you gonna put be are you gonna be putting Kylo right on the uh the field as much now? I mean I've probably played Kylo without Supernatural more than I played him with it, so yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> a simple answer, yes. Um Yeah, I mean I like Supernatural, but it was prohibitively expensive for a reason, so I didn't run it very often. Um and I still like Kylo with or without it, so I'll still play him. Yeah. So with yeah. your you know, with I, what you usually bring, what do you think uh, these changes are going to mean for your dogfighting archetypes and style? Uh, I can't really talk too much about the bump rules, because I think I'll just have to play it and see how much of effect it has. My gut says that I don't think it'll change much with how I play, uh, mm-hmm. which, honestly, I haven't changed much with how I play with road or the obstacle changes either. Um, Same road didn't really make a change for me. I do love it, though. Yeah, um, like, there's usually a decision, a game, that 
I think about Road really at all, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I, I mean, I haven't played any of these games with like the crazy every single ship in the list overlaps with every single ship in the list. Um, but I've had games where you know there were four or five ships overlapping, and it still just doesn't affect my decision making that much. Um, usually, there's a right move in my mind, and whether I bump or not off of it doesn't matter. It's just where it puts me is what's important. Good way to look at it. One, uh, thing, one thing I've always thought about Doug is I think he I feel like he sees the game in a different way than most of the rest of us do. And it's so, really interesting. <laughs> I've I've also thought that. Um because like watching you play a preposition or even double reposition, reposition, yeah. Um it's like you knew what you needed to do and how far away you were from things before you even did them. But is that a chess thing? Do you think you got that from chess? Because Chess is you're thinking multiple turns ahead. I don't think multiple turns ahead. I think that's a lot of people try to make the comparison, but I, I really don't. I'm a very reactive player for the most what? part. I what? don't make decisions quickly. What? His, his, yeah. Your uh, spatial awareness abilities are, are I, in my opinion, insane. I, I want to be mad at you. I want to be mad at you. Because you saying that makes you even more of a better player than I had already like thought. Because you, you're taking it like, oh, yeah. It's like, oh, Doug Beebe, you know, he he thinks like... Okay, so I don't know if we've had this discussion... Like, oh, no, he just dunked on me. We've had this discussion before about how, like, Newt thinks very specifically about what moves he's going to make and where his ships... It's, like, where his ships will be. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think a lot more... I believe it's Michael Simon did a blog about it, where I just think about zones a lot more. So I just yes. think about where my arc is and where that coverage is and what, like, threat area it will create. And... So I don't think about specific moves very much. I just think about where generally do I want my threat to be, and where do I like where is their threat at, and I try to not be there with aces. Specifically. You like you work backwards from the end result as opposed to Newt like working forward from. Yeah, I think position. that's a good way to put it. Right, and um, again, from my background here, uh, in that analogy, I am a boxer who wants to be in an area controlling it. Doug, you are a wrestler who wants people to come into the area you know that you have knowledge of. It's uh, and something I've noticed playing against you. Even when I'm moving first and setting up kill boxes, everything I'm doing, you're like, yeah, but I'm just going to do a one hard and I have this whole area in front of me anyway. And you have this way to look at the game where you have a talent to almost make your opponent's maneuvers inconsequential because you've always got an answer. It's very I hard. I definitely felt like that playing. I would, like, <laughs> I, would, I would like to comment on that because how many times, Doug, have we played and I will literally say everything that you're going to do and I'm just like, but I can't do anything about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's like, oh my God, I can't do it. Like, even though I know, but it's because I'm thinking about it but you say that you don't think about it ahead of time. So like in the moment, you're already more right than me, even right. though I'm figuring it out at the same time. And that's okay, a matter, so that's a matter I, of technique. Hey, I appreciate it. That's thank you. But I, I think there are a couple things like, so when I say I don't think of it, it's not like I'm not making conscious thoughts about it, but I've been playing the game for seven years and I've been playing it very competitively for seven years. So I think I just have a lot more reps than most well, people. I have a lot of reps. It's yeah. Uh, so I think I'm just I just naturally come to those conclusions faster than most people because I'm so familiar with the game, um, which is why it looks like I've I've predetermined things. I think I don't know. It has been predestined by Doug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, I play a lot of ships that encourage that playstyle. I play a lot of double reposition, deep double reposition ships or preposition ships or ships that can react in some way. Um, which I, it's just it's it's the playstyle that I prefer, so it's the playstyle I lean towards. It just baffles me. Like I know the words that you're saying, but like I don't know why they're not making sense to me sometimes. Like you, it's like funny. Like I, like I'm I'm being a little bit facetious, but I'm also being serious because like you said that you play play things with double reposition, and when I th think of things with double reposition, I think of aces and I think of things that could die real easy, and then, but you don't. Like you just you just do it. And when and I again, fly aces, I just die. Again, that's a matter of technique because the idea where sometimes playing is Doug and players like Doug, he's not unique in this uh, aspect. There are a lot of players who I've seen do this. It appears as if he's predicted everything you're about to do when in reality, 
he has set himself up in a space where he can react to anything you do, so it'll always look like he has the right idea. Now, that's not completely infallible, because people are not machines when we play right. X-Wing. Uh, and it's very easy sometimes to get into a, to use a chess analogy, get into a rut where you're using the same opening often. And I've seen some players do that, and I know that in with some lists I've seen Doug always set up the same opening, but also then like in game three, do a completely different opening based on what his opponent has, and that makes it really flexible. That's something I think that is going to be a vital skill with these new rules, because uh, not only with dogfighting and the road changes, which are going to require you to be adaptive, especially when we start having to get used to scenarios and objective-based gaming, the we're going to have to unlearn a lot of these hardwired reflexes we've had that are totally based around a 203 dogfight. Mm -hmm. I'm really looking forward to that because learning new things and expanding my skill set is one of the things I enjoy the most about X-Wing and gaming in general. Mm -hmm. I will say, if you want to get really good at predictive play, go back to first edition, become friends with Alex Smittle, spend two years playing Echo into <laughs> VI Bosk and Finn, that's, and then spend an entire true. year playing push advanced answers Kylo into Ghost Fen and Miranda Nim shenanigans. And oh you'll get really God. used to predicting where things are going to be because you have to. I feel right. like you probably skipped the best friend part. Um, that feels like a lot of unnecessary torment for you. But that's there are better ways to get a lot of reps against VI Bosk and Fen, though. Which, is, <laughs> which one? Fair. Okay, but which one's worse? You being best friends or playing against Nim Miranda that much? Oh, is it worth oh, it? Don't don't make me answer that question. <laughs> I already like me. I'm worse. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, uh, yeah. But yeah, so, game of first but edition. That is the point. Uh, uh, another, against me. another point is we Doug and I have. You know, they say it takes ten thousand reps to be good at something. Doug and I played ten thousand first edition games easy. Before even coming across the second well, edition. That's probably an exaggeration. Easy. But... <laughs> we played five a day for 12 days every week. I don't know. Five a day for 12 days. <laughs> oh, we geez. played six games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was 12,000. I also yeah. want to know where you're getting these 12 day weeks out of. Well, what it, was kind of metric it was 2012. So, you know, it is. Yeah. Uh, metric time, though. That's true. There you go. Well, it's been, you know, a lot of these changes are, again, they're going to be big ones. We are. This is what we're assuming. All this may change the moment these rules come out and we put ships on the table. It may turn out that you know, the jousting archetype has fundamentally changed now. It may turn to be that, hey, uh, swarms do have incredibly good uses. I imagine that swarms in some of these objective-based games are going to be absolutely overpowered. So, I mean, that could very well be a thing. We don't know yet. Uh, I mean, if every scenario is zone control, swarms will be overpowered. Yeah. I'm assuming okay. the other two are going to favor other archetypes. Mm -hmm. yeah, a, that just makes sense. Yeah, it's going to be pretty neat. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing how the things I love change. And that's going to probably branch me out into trying more of the things I don't love. If you I'm going to make one prediction real quick. Oh, you may. Me to catch up. But I don't think these changes are going to be as drastic as anyone's expecting. I think at the end of the day, X-Wing will still fundamentally be X-Wing. And our... We'll have to adjust our play styles and such somewhat, but not as much as we're all expecting. But Alex, the internet has said this is the death of X-Wing. Well, the internet has said a lot of things for the death of X-Wing. Do, um, do you know how many blogs thing. I've read? Do you? I, I, People have been it, quitting. Was it four? Left blogs? and right. <laughs> is, four, is four the answer? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think that there's a good chance the adage that the more stuff changes, the more it stays the same will apply to X-Wing. Like, mm -hmm. There will be a lot of on the surface that look like very big changes, but at the end of the day, you still set your dials, you move at each other and you shoot and it'll still be a good time. And you have fun. Indeed. Uh, so, after, you know, in addition to something we didn't bring up uh, earlier in this game, if folks want to see what it's like, you mentioned Alex, not having the constant overlap in games playing a lot. Uh, was, last We're yeah. not the same person. Yeah. Uh, last Wednesday, which was uh, January 29th, as we're recording this, uh, I got to play on the Gold Squadron uh, Flight Club match uh, in a Jank Tank preview with the list I'll be bringing, playing against uh, Michael Simons, not biophysical Michael Simons, but another Michael Simons with a D. Uh, great guy. It was a scum on scum. 
game, but we had a lot of overlap at initiatives three and four, and it turned into a lot more competitive game than I was expecting, especially considering the absolute, like, on paper garbage list he got with triple escape crafts, one of them being the autopilot drone. But it turns out when you have multiple coordinates in a list, you can pretty much turn one of your ships into God. So that uh, that was a really in intense game. And if you are a subscriber to Gold Squadron's Twitch channel, and I don't know why you wouldn't be, uh, you can actually go back and watch that. It's a fun game, and uh, you get to hear Dion and Will be absolutely puzzled at some of the decisions I make. And going back and watching that game, I'm also very puzzled at some of the decisions I made. So uh, if you want to see how the, the road rules really affect overlapping initiative, that's a great example because we traded that token back and forth unexpectedly a lot. So with that, uh, we've talked about Doug going to LVO. We've talked about the four of us going to Crossroads. Have you decided uh, what you're flying in LVO yet, Doug? Nope. <laughs> All right. Uh, I have the boring backup list, which is Vader and four academies. And then Ooh. I have a uh, triple Delta V Jedi list yeah. that I'm considering. And then I have... Rebel beef for some reason that I'm considering. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sure doesn't, but I it hit hard and in in these uncertain times, thonk joust. <laughs> That's true. In an uncertain meta, aggro is usually the best call. Mm -hmm. uh, when and then, is Obia? Uh, it's in three, four weeks. It's January twenty uh, 29th and twenty uh, eighth, twenty ninth. Thank you. Twenty okay. seventh through twenty ninth, and it's three days. Um, but yeah. And then I have uh, I keep looking at Boba Fett stuff, but I haven't found anything that I like, so probably not that. Well, uh, there is that. It's actually ooh, that reminds me of looking at when Crossroads is. It is President's Day weekend. Uh, so we will not have the new ships and things out for Crossroads. Okay, but we will have that Monday off afterwards, which is super neat. Indeed, we're not going to have to try it. Hopefully, we will not have the uh, the the commute from hell on the way back this time. No kidding. So there's a, there's a good chance that Crossroads will be the only event ever to have current points and stuff with new scenarios and rules. Yeah. Ooh, that's right. Ah, gosh, it's exciting times. Well, with that, uh, do we have any shoutouts that we want to throw out for this week's? Our first shout-outs of 2022. My father about health. Oh, Greg you. What? what? That's true. Bob probably has one. I'm going to shout him out, but I'm mad at him because he won't try <laughs> scenarios. Oh, snap. <laughs> called out, out. Called out by his own son. Because he won't what? He's not happy with scenarios, and I keep telling him to give him a try. And he's oh. still not happy about them. Hmm. I'd say he's stubborn in his old age, but Bob's only like three, four years older than me, so I can't really throw that out there. Now, uh, Bob, please, come over to the light side. Enjoy this. Uh... Even if you don't dress in areas, you still get to be X-Wing dad, Bob. So you have to still come to things. X-Wing's slightly older brother. He's literally a, an X-Wing player in my house's dad, though. <laughs> That's true. He is literally my father, Bob Howe. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, also, I'd like to uh, give a shout out to the Hangar 19 folks and Family Time Games up in Indianapolis who will be running the Crossroads 5 tournament uh, that we love so much. All the folks up there are just great folks, uh, so much fun to play against. Uh, is I know last time we went up there, I, I, said, I almost said last year as if last year didn't happen. Two years ago when we went up there last in 2019, uh, Zach Bart was running it. Is he still uh, TOing this year? Do we know? If you have a chance to play against Zach Bart, he's an amazingly I don't fun know dude. Off the top of my head. I know uh, Mark Moriarty's been doing all the Facebook stuff. Yeah, there's there's Mark, just a lot of great people Mark up there in Joe that area. Pilpa are the two that I know for sure are running it? Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, the Indianapolis crew is one of the friendliest groups of X-wing players. If you ever come up against anybody wearing a Hangar 19 shirt, you know you're going to be in for a great, just fun, happy game. And their so, shirts are ubiquitous. Like you'll yeah. see them. Yeah, you'll you'll notice them. They they have really cool jersey style shirts that I love and covet. Uh, we should get shirts before we go. We really should. We should. Uh, we should get it, shirts and maybe hats before I go to Elvia. 
Very much, yeah. Uh, Let's look into that. Uh, Also, shout out to uh, Ryan and Dia Flybetter and Dion and the Gold Squadron crew for putting on the Jank Tank and LVO. Uh, Uh, Shout out to my first round opponent, Bai, (laughs) in the Jank Tank. Bai has a lot of first round opponents. Uh, That's why I'm shouting them out. They're playing so many people just to keep the tournament a uh, power of two. Like, doing the Lord's work, bye. I was halfway tempted to change my TTO name to bye before this tournament just to see if I could sneak out a couple wins, but <laughs> sadly, that is forbidden. <laughs> I feel like that would be an instant DQ for basketball. Yeah, that would be, <laughs> That's would hilarious. Be podcast. <laughs> we had a team in my kickball league a couple years back that put their name in as bye week. To see if they could like get that in on the schedule, and no, they didn't let him do that. But that was a, that was a brilliant underhanded move. Uh, I was gonna say something. Final Tashi shout Station. out to no, sorry. final shout out to Crazy Vulcan for beating me this week. <laughs> no, beating me. The past, it's happening. <laughs> what? Because by the time this releases, that will have happened in the past. So. My brain doesn't do good with time travel. Okay, I can handle a lot of things. But not time travel. Now gets walking. Oh, oh, what what is that thing they called it when Ezra did it in Rebels of Beyond Shadows or what? The 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 shtick at the end of the last season Shadow of Rebels. Realm. Yeah, where Ezra Ezra does the time traveling Pergil whatever stuff. That was objectively space travel, not time travel. The Pergils and the time travel were unrelated. Okay. <laughs> I don't True. know, man. But technically, if you're going in the sphere of light, you're time traveling. That's true. So, That's ooh, a good point. so theoretically, should like is, Ram does action... relatively exist? Does relativity exist in Star Wars though? That's absolutely. Uh, well, I just thought of the uh, you know the slam action, but I don't it's, know. It's space is all which kind of changes. But, uh, there That's is a true. didn't. I feel like something somebody said something about relatively. I guess rev, rev, <laughs> relativity might not actually exist in Star Wars. I don't know. Once you start trying to apply science to Star Wars, it falls apart pretty Because it's space yeah. fantasy and not yeah. science fiction. And like, yeah. how far apart are the planets that you frequently see people travel to in what appears to be a couple hours' time? Yeah. That means they're and traveling come... insane speeds if they're getting how... their like, regular planet distance apart. Okay, think about it. Think about every time that somebody goes to a new planet, okay? Why do they always go to the planet at the same trajectory? Like, at the same location? And then, how are you trying to put, like, have, like, a, a blockade of this planet? Why don't I just go to the underside of the planet? <laughs> Guys, I got a lot of great 1990s books that'll explain I, all of this for you. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I think Rebels is the first, at least, like, movie or TV show that mentions another side of the planet. Because they talk about the other side of the fall. I don't think they actually go there. But, no, they, well, do. they get transported they, there. They get transported uh, there, but not in space. Also, congratulations, we've transitioned into Tashi Station after dark, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> just completely went off the rail. Yeah, but like, so <laughs> you can you can just fly around the planet. You got a 360 blockade that shit. Like, that's that's the thing that happens. You just keep, they don't have enough CGI yeah. to portray that in the movie. Well, here's yeah, here's the other question. When you see all these ships jumping out of hyperspace in front of other ships, why are they all oriented in the exact same, like, which way is up? Because space is two-dimensional, Matthew. <laughs> Okay, I think that, well, okay, they totally 100% do that because of movie. But wouldn't that be super cool to see, like, a, like a Star Destroyer upside down fighting, like, another ship that's upside down? Because there is no upside down. So, actually, in, in Return of the Jedi, you see a Star Destroyer fly upside down over the Super Star Destroyer executor. Because um, you're looking at the butt of the Star Destroyer as it flies over the Super Star Destroyer. Oh, like down. Top Gun, he was inverted. The yes. butt. What? Top Gun was a movie from the 1980s. <laughs> you, said, you said the butt. The like, underside. The butt. Oh my god. The butt of the Star Destroyer. Wait, is the butt the engines or is the butt? <laughs> no, it's the, the underside, underside in this instance. Normally like, it would be the engines. But... Like where the Chimera has the, the tattoo. Is that yeah, the, butt? the tramp stamp of the Star Destroyer? <laughs> <laughs> where have I gone wrong with my oh, life? Yeah, I, didn't li- I did not like saying tramp stamp for the record. <laughs> Oh. It shall forever be known as the Chimera's Tramp Stamp. <laughs> I, I, 
right? He didn't oh like saying goodness. that phrase, but I'm so sorry. Well, Station Radio. Yeah. Really you guys are why we don't have sponsors. <laughs> Good. Yeah. For anybody that wants to sponsor Tashi Station Radio, don't. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you like Tramp Stamp Talk. If you're a tattoo parlor, uh, you like our podcast. That's true. We'll pay you to get Tashi Station logo tattooed on you. We will absolutely not. Do it. We don't I have, have that kind of. Tattoos. We don't have those kind of credits, guys. We can no pay for Greg to get anymore. a Tashi Station yeah. tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. You would never even notice. Yeah, I, As, I literally if you would have like no to sponsor in. Greg getting a Tasha Station tattoo, donate to our Ko-Fi at, I don't know, what's the link? Whatever the link is, dot com yeah. or whatever. Dot com slash Tasha Station X-Wing. It's in, I mean, the, it's, it's in the stinger at the end of this show. Speaking of which, we got to be getting there. Uh, thank you to everybody <laughs> for listening. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks to tell you how our first round of Jank Tank went. And for I won. Ta- yeah. Doug for also Tasha- won. No, I probably lost. Yeah, it could be. For Tashi Station Radio, I'm Matt. I'm Doug. I'm Alex. And I'm Greg. And we'll see you next time, hopefully. Chant. Tramp. Chant. Stamp. Tramp. Stamp. <laughs> no, Doug don't want to chant that. Dead aft. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tashi Station Radio. Be sure to give us a thumbs up and subscribe. You can find us on Podbean, Apple Music, Spotify, and Amazon Podcasts. Follow us on our social media on Facebook at Tashi Station Radio, an X-Wing podcast, on Twitter at Tashi Station XW, on Twitch at Tashi Station X-Wing, and on YouTube at Tashi Station X-Wing. If you want to help us offset our hosting costs, you can go to co-fi.com slash Tashi Station X-Wing and toss us a few credits to help keep the huts off our back. Stay safe, fly well, and we'll see you next episode.